Hello and welcome to the very first Golf Shake podcast of 2019. We hope you had an enjoyable festive period and are set for an exciting year ahead of golf. My name is Kieran Clark, and for the first edition of the season, I am once again joined by Golf Shake ambassador Matt Holbrook. Matt, you know, I'm not sure if we're still in the kind of the, the window of saying Happy New Year, but welcome back to the podcast, and I guess a very Happy New Year to you. Yes, Happy New Year to you too, Kieran. Thanks for having me back on. Um, looking forward to getting stuck into 2019. Um, and yeah, it's uh, you know I think I think 2018 was was a great end to the year, and let's hope that golf can continue in that vein pushing forward this year. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll kind of talk a little bit about that and how it relates to Golf Shake in terms of the, the stats and the number of people who are out playing golf over the Christmas period in particular. Obviously, kind of compared to previous years, it was quite a relatively mild time of year. Uh, the climate was very kind of amenable for golf. So um, a lot of golfers were out across the UK playing and tracking their scores and stats, which gives us quite a nice uh, little boost ahead of the new year. And we're seeing very similar at the start of this year too. So we'll talk a little bit about the last year's stats and how that relates to this year's stats and uh, and going forward. But um, kind of firstly, Matt, referencing back to our previous Christmas and New Year special edition podcast from a few weeks ago uh kind of back to a quick topic from that one so did you receive any nightmare christmas golf gifts uh during the the christmas time and uh did you manage to play a a round or two during the holidays I'm, i'm sure you did yes of course i did um so in answer to your first question nightmare golf gifts you know this year other than the um the the previously mentioned emoji golf balls Yes, um, I'm just trying to think. No, I got a really nice posh putting mat for Christmas, which was nice. Um, I got a smash bag, which is what I actually had asked for. But the no, I don't think I think I avoided all nasty golfing gifts this year. There you go, fantastic. Yep. So that was good. Um, and in terms of Christmas golf, yes, um, I managed to get out and play on Christmas Eve. Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny quick story about Christmas Eve. So there's some guys at the, at the golf club that I was previously a member at. They like to finish their year after work, um, every year on Christmas Eve. They always go and play somewhere and they always take like a winter warmer deal, a round of gold, fish and chips or ham, egg and chips, whatever the case may mm-hmm. be. And they'd got in touch with me to let me know that actually this year they decided to go to the course that I'm currently now a member of. So because they'd let me know, they said, you know, it'd be nice if you can come along. Um, now, my wife historically has always done a Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve. She invites some family over. There's normally a fair few people come over for Christmas dinner. Um, and she said to me, you know, Christmas dinner is going to be at half past four. So feel free, go and play golf during the day. Um, you know, don't don't eat anything. I, I told her that they was all having fish and chips afterwards. She said, don't you dare have fish and chips, knowing that fish and chips is one of my favourites. <laughs> Um, so, so we've, we've gone out on Christmas Eve, we played golf and I think there was 13 of us in total, but what the golf club had done, um, you know, very forward thinking golf club, they'd decided to kind of have the food prepared and ready for when we started to come in as groups mm-hmm. and they'd forgot to double check with us how many people wanted fish and chips. So inevitably they've actually prepared or getting prepared 13 lots of fish and chips. Bearing in mind, I'm not allowed to eat it. 
So as we've come in, I've said to them, you know, they've kind of put four plates down because I was in one of the first groups. They've put four plates down. I said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not eating. So just pass that to the next group and make one less. So everybody's now sitting there eating fish and chips and the lady pops out of the kitchen with a plate of four bits of cod. <laughs> Perfectly battered, beautiful, golden looking cod. Mm. She said, oh, we've cooked too much fish. So I just put that down there. So now I'm sitting there watching everybody else eat fish and chips. I've now got a plate in front of me with four pieces of cod on. So I've I've taken off. I thought I'd, I'll just, you know, I'll have a couple of mouthfuls of cod. Bearing in mind, it's like it's 2.30. I've not eaten since breakfast. I thought I'll be okay. Uh-huh. So then she comes over and says to me, do you want some chips? Do you want some <laughs> chips? I said, yeah, go on. Just, just give us a few chips. Before I know it, I'm sitting there with a full plate of fish and chips in front of me. So I cut, cut maybe a quarter of the cod off. That will do. I won't, I won't eat any more than that. Wow. And then I cut another quarter off. I just eat that. Before you know it, I've eaten three quarters of the fish, a full plate of chips, and I've gone home and I'm absolutely full. Oh, the wife really? served up this lovely Christmas dinner and I've sat there and I've looked at it and I've had to force the Christmas dinner down myself all because I couldn't say no to the fish and chips at the wow. golf club with the boys. Goodness, goodness me. I'm not sure what the uh, the lesson from that is, but... Uh, I don't know. There we are. Wow, that's... Uh... Uh, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah, the temptation got the better of you, I guess. But I suppose it you know, did. Yeah, perhaps for yeah. 2019, a New Year's resolution is be stronger willed and resist temptation, even if it resist is, golf club fish and chips. That's it. I think that's achievable. Yeah. So there you go. That's when you can. Uh, put, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put on the so, list. Yeah, so I, I did did that Christmas Eve. Um, I managed to get out a few more times. We visited, um, popped up to St Ives in Cambridgeshire, which is like an inland links course, which was quite a challenge because there's it's literally just an open space and I know some people will know it as where the Titleists have got one of their national fitting centres there mm-hmm. um, and that was uh, it was a lovely day but it was very windy and it's very open and it's you know the course is almost three or four shots tougher in the wind um, but that was enjoyable we also visited Fort Ness which is um, like a heathland course up up in the coast in Suffolk which is absolutely spectacular for this time of year and they do some great um, great winter warmer deals if um, if anybody's looking for anywhere to kind of stay and play at this time of year, mm-hmm. you've got a lovely hotel on site and the, there's a feature of it on Golf Shay. Um, but the course is, is absolutely spectacular and the, the hotel and the grounds and the area is it's a really nice spot to visit as well. So it's, uh, it's a good one to check out if you're if you're looking for somewhere to go and play. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and then, and then that's it. I'm still waiting to break my 2019 duck as far as the golf course is concerned, but I've got two days lined up this weekend. so. Aha! Uh-huh. Well, there you go. Well, well, I, I knew it was about about time. You know, obviously waiting a full week for your first golf of the year would be quite a shock to the system. You're probably having withdrawal symptoms, and you know, you're sweating up, and you can't sleep, and whatever else. But yeah, so again, as always, impressed by the number of rounds that you played over the festive time, and that and that gave a nice little boost to your your full year stats and rounds played in 2018. We'll get to that very shortly, and indeed, we'll talk about the whole overall picture as golf shake members across the whole board they all had their social snapshots and year reports and uh, it was quite in- interesting to see the the result the, the results of that but um before we get to those golf shake stats it would be remiss not to mention the kind of the big news of the week uh, albeit not exactly a surprise 
is that Podrick Harrington was named uh, Europe's Ryder Cup captain for 2020 at Whistling Straits. Obviously, Europe now defending the trophy after winning it so dominantly and brilliantly at the Golf National just a few months ago. And Harrington, of course, he certainly ticks the boxes in terms of a a Ryder Cup captain CV. Uh, Six times a player for Europe. Um, A vice-captain, perhaps more crucially, uh, for the last three editions of of the event. Uh, not to mention, of course, individually uh, being a three-time major champion. And so obviously a great deal of experience there, a great profile, uh, someone that uh, certainly has a lot, an awful lot to admire about. He ticks all of the, the criterias. Uh, so Matt, as a European golf fan, uh, it came as no surprise to see Harrington uh, receive the, the job, given it's been really almost given to him the second that the previous Ryder Cup had finished. But now it's all official. And as a European golf fan, Matt, was, uh, was this the right uh, appointment for you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was one of golf's worst kept secrets. Um, you know, look, he's, he's well liked by the players. Mm. Um, I think crucially, like, like you just mentioned, he's, he's been vice captain three times. Um, and I think if you, if you look at who he's been vice captain to, you know, if he can take all the positives and all the good aspects of, of their captaincies and kind of put his own spin on it, which I'm sure he will. It's, it's a no-brainer, to be honest. I mean, I don't know anybody else that kind of would have stood out yeah. for me that would, you know, would have, would have been a, a better pick. I'm sure there was one or two other candidates, but, you know, we're now starting to look at the likes of, you know, potentially Lee Westwood, mm-hmm. Graham McDowell's, you know, people like that for captaincy, and yeah. they need to generate that experience of being around the team room in a vice-captain mm-hmm. capacity like Padraig has. Um so yeah, no, great pick. Very happy. Um, and like I said, I think the players are all happy with that pick. They seem to be happy with that pick. And, you know, that's that's half of the battle. You know, if, if the players that are going to be in or around the Ryder Cup team kind of buy into him from the word go, that's only a positive. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned Lee Westwood there. He was probably the other main contender, but more or less said himself that he would rather captain in 2022 in Italy on home soil, uh, feeling that's more of his his time. Uh, and probably, and I think it's almost certainly he would be the captain there that occasion. Of course, he's, he's come back to form uh, this past year and on the golf course. So who knows? There could be one last playing appearance uh, for Lee in uh, 20 months' time, but uh, perhaps more likely would be that Lee would once again be a, a vice-captain uh, next year, having been one last year, and then he'd kind of step into the transition of being the captain in 2022. That's kind of the template they've had now for many years. It's kind of the, you know, you kind of do your time as a vice-captain, and then you progress to become the captain. You know, Bjorn did that, uh, McGinley did that, Darren Clark did it. So the, the, that's kind of the template that the European Tour have kind of put in place, and obviously... It has been successful. You know, Podrick Harrington is someone who is very, very intelligent, very analytical. He will certainly come in as uh, prepared as probably anyone ever has uh, for the Ryder Cup. Um, an interesting character, um, obviously a remarkable career. And, uh, you know, he's someone who, you know, certainly it would have been a real shock if it, if it wasn't him. So obviously there's a long, long way to go. Uh, I do kind of... Um, I'm a bit cynical about the Ryder Cup captaincy to an extent. Um, I think it's a little bit overblown. Certainly now, you know, we're hearing Harrington saying already about the oh, the, the agony of the decision-making and the, how, you know, how it's going to tick up so much of his mind between now and then. 
I'm not really too sure what he's got to think about between now and then tell you the truth. It's the reality is that you, you know, Kieran, on on that, sorry to interrupt. I I'd, I think a lot of it is um you know, is is the media and the PR that surrounds oh, yes. the event. Um, you know, in theory, picking a team of players that, you know, let's let's face it, what, eight or nine of them players are gonna be picked for him. Exactly. So he needs to pick, you know, he'll he'll need to pick three or four players. <laughs> He doesn't need to think about that for at least another twelve months, yeah. um, if not longer. And and I just think you know there's is you know I mean we, we we saw it last year with Thomas Bjorn hitting tee shots off the Eiffel Tower, and that's what takes up the time. That's what makes it a, a tiring job and a long drawn out job for these guys. Is it's all the it's all the PR and the press stuff. And, and as fans, we like we like watching it. It's it's fun. It's it's content and. That's what people want these days, um, and I think that's what makes the job, um, you know, a more strenuous one than what it probably should be. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's a good point, and um, I think the the PR machine has certainly you know taken over the Ryder Cup uh, in, in recent times, and that. But I just do think that some of the I listened to some of the language used around the Ryder Cup captaincy. And I just think it's a little bit overblown in terms of um, you think they were leading guys into battle the way they talk about it. Um, you know, Paul McGinley particularly. You know, you, you think he, you know, had, had led guys in World War Two the way he talks about it this day, uh, being the Ryder Cup captain. It's kind of his one claim to fame, really. You know, he probably wakes up and in the morning and it's the first thing he ever mentions when any sleep he talks about it. But <laughs> could you imagine being if you got if you got stuck in a lift if you was in a lift and it broke down you had Cody Montgomery and Paul McGinley oh, in there. He got like you know, <laughs> twenty seconds before they mention it and he'll be they're standing there in silence, the sweat pouring off their head. Oh, don't mention the Ryder Cup. Ah, you can't resist it any longer. But yeah, I just think that it's just as you say, at least two thirds of the team are picked for him. He's picking three or four guys, and when he gets there, he's just putting guys together and hoping for the best. You know, there's an awful lot of luck involved with these things. Um, obviously, you can do a lot of research about it all, and you can try and work out who likes who, who works well with each other on, on the golf course and all the rest of it, but I just don't quite see how... I, I don't understand where the whole mental agony and the, the, the pressure and, oh, my God, how is he going to be able to focus on anything else? It's like, come on, what is he doing? He's got 20 months to choose the wallpaper for the team room. That's basically what it is <laughs> and what cushions to have on the sofa. Obviously, people now are saying, oh, that's ridiculous. They'll be, as the cool kids say, they'll be atting me on social media saying, oh, what, you, you know nothing about this. Oh, Paul McGinley says this and that. And he's written a book about it and he's done a lecture series about it. Come on. You're captaining 12 of the world's best golfers for three days. That's it. Come on. <laughs> Honestly. So I do think, look, the Ryder Cup is a great spectacle. It's very entertaining. But I just hope we're not going to have to hear about it for every single week for the next almost two years until the next one um, because it does get a bit tiring. So, yes, Padre Harrington, for all I've said there, he's certainly the man for the job. He will certainly come in with, into that job with the, the best preparation and the best approach. And uh, I have no doubt that uh, whatever happens at Whistling Straits in 2020, uh, no stone will be left unturned. Uh, but, uh, yes, I think... I do think the Ryder Cup captaincy is a little bit overblown, but that's just my own personal standpoint. However, moving swiftly on from that to the golf shake status, as I mentioned earlier, and of course, ending 2018, golf shake members received their end of year 2018 golf report, and that includes a social stats snapshot that you can share across Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the rest of it. 
And it was great to see so many of you share this actually on social media, including yourself, Matt, uh, which uh, of course tracked your key numbers from the past year. And uh, just looking at your one, uh, Matt, you know, they were rather impressively 77 rounds played, uh, an average score of 82.52, 1,386 holes played, handicapped down from 11.9 to 9.9, a total of 23 courses ticked off, and 270 miles walked. So all in all, Matt, uh, that was a a pretty good year, wasn't it? Wasn't bad, was it? Yeah. Um, to anybody that suggests to me that golf isn't a sport, golf isn't exercise, it's not strenuous, you go try walking 270 miles and come back and, and then we can have a conversation. <laughs> yeah, too- um, <laughs> you know, Wait, look, it's, it's, sorry, Matt, 270 miles over a year with, of course, fish and chips at the end of it. So there we are. That's, exactly. Um, look, you know, that's that's on average, that's what, four miles a week? You know, it's not. It's, I, I know. I know people that do a hell of a lot less than that. Um, look, where, where, where do I start with these? I love these. I love these stats. I love these uh, these infographics, as they call them. Um, and I would uh, concur with you. It was great to see so many people uh, sharing these across social media. And hopefully, for those people that have maybe signed up to Golf Shake and have kind of tracked some rounds, don't track others. I hope that it gives people the, um, you know, the the motivation if you like to to kind of track more rounds next year or, or this year um where, where where do i start with this i mean firstly it's it's nice to be able to compare for those that don't know if you've been tracking stats for quite a while you can actually change the year and you compare you know 2018 to 2017 for example i played i remember in the last podcast i talked about the fact that i changed golf club last year and it made that meant that i was able to play a lot more golf and that's you know, that's that's true in the sense I only tracked 54 rounds last year, whereas this year I'd managed the 77, as you said. Um, it's just good fun to see things in, in those sort of, um, in those sort of, you know, chunks of information for, you know, for, for a whole year. It's, it's good fun. I enjoy seeing it. I think the, I think the, the, the most interesting one was the, was the golf shake overall. Yes. Um, stats that we saw shared, which was, some unbelievable numbers when you when when you think about it, you know it's it's absolutely crazy. But I don't want to take your thunder away. I know that you're gonna you're gonna kind of talk us through those. Yes, well, well, thank you very much. But uh, yeah, you're right there about the uh, seeing everybody sharing them on social media and indeed your stats as well, which I think would be certainly it's, in terms of rounds played and courses played. You know that's probably better than most. So if you you've heard Matt say so, if you're a golf shake member and you'll compare your own year uh, to Matt's uh, there and sort of think about whether how many rounds did you play, how many courses did you play compared to him, and uh, again it's kind of a, a target to beat uh, this year. Uh, and for anyone who hasn't seen uh, their year report and indeed social snapshot yet. Just log into your Golf Shake account and it will be there. And anyone who's familiar or even unfamiliar with the Golf Shake uh, score tracker, you get a monthly report every month and also, of course, annual one at the end of the year. So it's a great way, as Matt said, if you keep tracking your your scores regularly, uh, it's, it's beneficial and you get this sort of snapshot, this overview of your key stats that you, you can compare month to month and indeed year to year. And it's, you know, it's a very handy way of uh, tracking how you're progressing uh, through the game. And of course, as always, if if you're not someone who has yet tracked your rounds or signed up on the Golf Shake Score Tracker, you know here's an added incentive to get involved with that. And of course, as you said there, Matt, you're know, doing it 
regularly, and I should know about that because you know I get mine through on the email. <laughs> there were only three rounds. How did there were only three rounds on mine. <laughs> three rounds. So <laughs> I didn't track a lot of scores. I'm afraid <laughs> I, I played more than that. I have to say, but I didn't track an awful lot of rounds. So I kind of let myself down there. I think it's more out of uh, the shame that I wouldn't track more rounds than what I did. I don't want to see all those numbers you know, flash up in front of my face. You know, It's depressing to see all the penalty shots and all the missed fairways all kind of showing up in graphic form. But um, no, for this year, it's one of my pledges for the year is to you know, try and be more uh, kind of regular with my tracking of scores when I do actually play, which... Um, Right now, which hopefully will be fairly soon when I get my first round of the year, which could be, it could be fairly ugly. But you mentioned it there, Matt, and all this data and information you give us a wonderful insight behind you know, the whole golf shape community and what they collectively achieved uh, last year together. And you mentioned the key numbers there, and just to kind of look into that, you know, obviously, you know, Matt himself, as we touched on there last year, you know, he, he played. Um, yeah, 1,386 holes throughout the year uh, over those 77 rounds. And again, that's above average in terms of uh, an individual person. But collectively, all the thousands of you who track your scores in Golf Shake, just think to yourself here, just how many shots together would that be tracked? Of course, it would be an awful lot more shots if I actually got involved with it. I, I'd give it a real good boost. But um, without me and my efforts and my input together, just think of this. How many shots together did you all track during 2018? Well, Matt, what's the answer? The answer is 35 million shots were tracked on Goal Shake during 2018. Yeah, staggering, isn't it? It's just an incredible number, 35 million. And it's uh, really caught us off guard just how many that was. It just shows you how many people are, are engaging with the score tracker and perhaps even more so, those who do are doing it regularly. And uh, actually, one person tracked 184 rounds. We have to meet this person. My goodness. Scars my hero. Yeah. Whoever <laughs> you are, you're playing every second day. You must take weekends off maybe. But wow, you know, tremendous. Just a staggering amount of golf right there. And just some of the other key numbers that are worth mentioning. So we had 35 million shots. There were 6.8 million holes. Matt touched on there the, the obviously the walking for miles. There were 1.6 million miles walked. I'm not sure how far that is. Can you walk to the moon in that time? Is that, is that from here to the moon or is that from or is that around the globe? I'm not sure. Actually, let's just quickly, through the powers of Google, <laughs> work out miles around the globe, around the earth. This should be good. Oh my goodness, there's 24,902 <laughs> 24, miles around the world. So, well, Let's just say that Golf Shake has uh, gone round the world uh, hundreds of times. So there we are. What's the, what's the distance from Earth to the Moon? Who knew you were going to get this is, this is getting This is getting slightly out of hand. Oh, so that's, oh my goodness, 384,000 kilometres is to the Moon. So what's that in miles? I'm not European. 230, I'm actually like, bro. Not getting, not getting to that. But anyway, 238 million miles, 238,000 miles from here to the moon. So, Golf Shake community, let's just say you have crossed the galaxy 
on golf shake this past year. So very impressive. I did get a bit carried away yeah. there, but, uh, but yeah. So yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think just just looking at some of the others as well. I mean, there's um, you know golf uh, for for people that have tracked on golf shake. Golf has been played in eighty seven countries around the world. Yeah. Which, again, I I think about that as just a stat on its own. Like if you if you sat down now and I said you're right, Kieran, can you name me eighty seven countries? <laughs> you, I, I reckon you'd get to a certain point and you'd really struggle. Oh, well, well, to be fair, I could probably surprise you on that one, but um, you know, I, I do I do have a reasonable knowledge, but but yeah, it, it's quite a striking number. And uh, when you think about Obviously, just the number of destinations that people go to. Um, people would normally think that we, you know, Portugal, France, and so on, and, and Spain has been kind of the closest to home destinations. But obviously, people were playing all across the world. You know, Asia, uh, South America, North America, Australia, uh, throughout Europe, uh, Africa as well. And so, I mean, all across the world, they were very, very impressive. And it just shows mm-hmm. you the, as you say, the kind of the international appeal of it all this shows you that golf is played all across the world so i mean really interesting and uh, i think so it, we have this feature on the website as well so go and check it out in terms of the golf shaking numbers for 2018 so hopefully i think it's uh, we can all kind of agree that let's try and let's try and beat that in 2019 that was an incredible response and uh, we got to the moon and beyond that uh, this year Let's see if we can try and get to Mars or something like that. That's probably maybe a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit too optimistic. It's a bit further away, but there we are. Quite incredible. So, yeah, fantastic. There was also I don't know if um, I don't know if the um, the the powers that be at Golf Shake can can let us know that the one course had one thousand eight hundred and thirty seven rounds tracked on it. Yes, um, I'd like to know what that course is. Um, and I'd also like to know if the person that tracked 184 rounds contributed yeah. to those 1,837. Yeah, indeed. Um, but let's let's also celebrate 141,000 birdies. That's that crazy numbers, guys. Crazy numbers. Can I just say, Matt, that I contributed um, one birdie to that list? There you go. Brilliant. Well, listen, every birdie counts. <laughs> every birdie counts. Um, but also from, from from a course point of view, again, I know that we touched on the last podcast. We talked about a lot of the courses sharing the um, golf shake highly recommended status that they've had, and you know I'm seeing a lot of the window stickers, and it's good to see a lot of golf courses using that as part of their marketing. Um, you know, there was 235,000 golf course reviews um, on golf shake last year, which is you know which is fantastic. That's what drives i know it, it's what drives a lot of people onto golf shake to check out the course reviews i know that there's always going to be one or two that people maybe don't agree with or um you know that's that's just it's just what happens but um you know 235,000 is is a fantastic number and it's good to see that golf courses are starting to recognize that as well and, and kind of using that to you know boost their membership boost their green fees boost their society bookings during the summer um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, if you've got positive reviews that are being left by visiting golfers, I think it is something that, that should be shouted about by, by golf courses. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, it's, it's one of those things that is, uh, as you say, it is a driver to golf shake. But I think just generally as well, it's a great you know, resource to have for golfers to look at and see what golfers like them, regular golfers, think about golf courses. And, you know, this is not not, not to decry any of the, the big magazines or anything like that, but 
an awful lot of the what, what you see there, you know, they tend to go and review the same golf courses, the big names, the ones that everyone has heard of, but are also really quite expensive to go and play. But here, it's every golf course is covered, and it gives you perhaps more of a a snapshot of what the regular golfer values in terms of value for money and, and all different criteria and kind of the overall experience they take from that, you know, contrasting with their expectations going in. And actually there'll be features coming on Golf Shake very soon about this and uh, some of the courses that performed uh, the best uh, last year. Uh, some, of them, some of them actually improved significantly in recent years over their overall rating with Golf Shake members and indeed, you know, in terms of popularity. So I think certain clubs and courses are absolutely embracing this far or more than others and uh, we would obviously encourage any any golf course that isn't aware of this to get involved because nowadays it's the same for any industry um, you know online reviews are becoming integral uh, that's how people consume their information and you know, you know look at TripAdvisor and stuff like that people go on our Google reviews people look up before they go to a restaurant or anything like that they look up and see what other people have said about it in the past and um course sometimes it can be a little bit biased and misleading at times but i think generally it gives you a very good picture and, and likewise it's uh it's the same for golf courses so uh, i'm i'm glad you mentioned that there but uh moving on now matt before we kind of get bogged down in stats and uh traveling to the moon and beyond but um obviously it was been an exciting exciting times then for the golf ship community an exciting period a, a terrific year hopefully a bigger one this year the season of course is uh Moving on from that to the professional golf sphere, just briefly, uh, the season is just getting started, or rather is resuming on the European Tour, uh, with the upcoming Abu Dhabi Championship beginning the European Tour's kind of desert swing that they have at this time of year, to kind of kick off the, kick off the calendar year. And the field there is a typically exciting one, and this time it includes the likes of Brooks Kepka, uh, Dustin Johnson, Tommy Fleetwood, Tyrrell Hatton, Louis Oosthuizen, Henrik Stenson, Eddie Pepperell, Ian Poulter, and Matt Wallace. And perhaps notably, Matt, you know, several of those names I mentioned there are English players who are coming off a staggering year of success on the European Tour in 2018. It's certainly an exciting time for English golf and we shouldn't overlook uh, Georgia Hall in the women's game, of course, so brilliantly uh, won the Women's British Open last year at Royal Living, uh, my favourite win of uh, last season. And um, and more of that to come uh, later this year when the Solheim Cup uh, descends upon Glen Eagles. It should be a great showpiece uh, later in the season. So, you know, Georgia Hall, certainly a tremendous year for her. Great achievement and uh, hopefully better things to come, uh, even more great things to come in 2019. But looking at the European Tour, Matt, the English champions last year, we had, throughout 2018, we had Chris Paisley, Tommy Fleetwood, Eddie Purple, Matt Wallace, Richard McAvoy, Paul Waring, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Tom Lewis, Justin Rose, Lee Westwood, and Danny Willett. Pepperell won twice in Qatar and at the British Masters, while Wallace was, of course, a free-time winner in 2018. And it was a, a variety of players. We had a you're looking at that list of names. We had emerging stars like Pepperell and Wallace. You know, guys securing their first wins after such a long time, like Richard McAvoy did so wonderfully at the European Open. And, and, and the likes of uh, Tom Lewis, Lee Westwood, and perhaps even most particularly in Danny Willett, you know, guys who have come back from some really dark days on the golf course to kind of rekindle their past form and, and achieve great things again. And already this kind of wraparound 2018-29 season, uh, we've already seen Aaron Rye uh, win in Hong Kong. 
so Matt, in terms of these names, you know, what stood out to you most from last year? And how excited are you about the prospects of these guys and perhaps others in 2019? What can they achieve? It's a high bar. Can they surpass it this year? I mean, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for them to to kind of beat what they did last year. Um, <clears throat> a few things, uh, a few things really stuck out for me. I, I like the, um, I like, I like the stories that come with it. I like the, you know, the fact that Danny really had had well publicized problems with his game since he won the Masters, mm-hmm. um, and kind of, you know, almost disappeared off the off the golfing world for a little while and really really struggled and I know it makes some changes so to see him come back and win was <clears throat> was fantastic um likewise with Lee Westwood towards the back end of the year um you know if you I'm I'm sure you can still find it on YouTube but to see his um to see his interview after the um you know after the event um you know the emotion that that guy displayed to the, for the world was you know, you you really understand just how much it means to them. You know, in Lee Westwood, he's a guy that's other than obviously breaking his major duck. He's he's achieved absolutely everything. He's won in numerous countries around the world. Um, you know, he doesn't doesn't need the money, doesn't need the fame. Um, but you can see how much winning meant to him. And I think, I think in this day and age, we kind of we kind of look at just sports stars in general with the amount of money they earn, the lifestyle they earn, and think that's what they're there for. But you know, if that's that's an eye opener right there to to look at what he meant to Lee Westwood. Like I say, forget everything else that comes with the winning. That's what he wanted, and that's what he got. Um, and that was that was really pleasing to see. Um, uh, who, who else? Oh, I'm a big Eddie Pepperell fan. Um, I think the way he conducts himself on social media is hilarious. Um, I was also stood probably, I don't know, 15 yards away from him when he made the hole-in-one at Walton Heath. All right. um, so I was literally stood on the side of the tee box looking down looking down the hole. Um, so for that to be named European Tour Shot of the Year as well was great. Um, you know, but the young guys that are coming through as well, you can't, you know, Matt Wallace is, was in devastating form last year um, and kind of come from nowhere. Um, Tommy Fleetwood looks like he's going to shoot a 62 every time he goes out and plays. Um, and then there's so many others that haven't been mentioned that potentially could have their turning point this year. You know, someone like Andy Sullivan, who, you know, won, what, twice or three times a year before last. Um, and it's kind of gone in a maybe a similar Daly Willett style. There's one name I'm going to hang on to because I'm going to put a, a, a little, I think we're going to have a, a podcast wager. So I'm going to hang on to one name. Um, you know, but at, at some point I look down the list, um, you know, someone like Jordan Smith, for example, who's a European tour winner, maybe had a quiet back end of last year. Um, I expect to see big things from him this year. Um you know the list. The list is endless, really. When you think about it, it's 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 a great place to be, not just for European golf, but for English golf specifically. Yeah. Um, you know, it's great. Oh, it certainly is, and it's a really impressive uh, you know group of players. And I say, are you touched on there? You know, so eloquently, Matt, in terms of the different stories we had from last year. You know, I think the the ones at the end of the year with uh, Weston and Willett, I think those two really did stand out. I think one thing we're perhaps uh, looking at this year. Is can one of these guys go to the next level and perhaps uh, I know you know Justin Rose is obviously the obvious candidate, but can they go and win a world golf championship? Can they genuinely 
potentially win a major. You know, Tommy Fleetwood came so close at the US Open last year at Shinnecock where he, he shot that brilliant final round of 63, almost a 62, uh, to miss out by one shot uh, to Brooks Kepka. That was the closest that anyone came to uh, winning a major last year. And uh, we had some you know, top 10 finishes from Tyrrell Hatton. Uh, Eddie Purple finished in the top uh, six at Carnoustie in the Open after that great final round when he was, I think, hung over from the night before, but uh, went out and played a great round and almost set a clubhouse target that could have been potentially a winning one for him at one point. Um, so, yeah, an, an exciting crop of players and uh, try and see them build on that going into 2019. So, yeah, and, and you know, obviously a very encouraging time for, for golf in England. But from my perspective, Matt, and um, I'm hoping to see a, a big year for Scottish golfers as there's been quietly quite an impressive group emerging onto the European Tour for this season. Uh, joining the more experienced heads of uh, Stephen Gallagher, Mark Warren, Richie Ramsey and David Drysdale, who's actually sitting at third at the moment on the Race to Dubai points list. Uh, so from last season on the Challenge Tour, the players who emerged were Grant Forrest, Leon Johnston, Robert McIntyre and David Law, they all qualified from the top 15 to make it onto the European Tour and they are all rookies of the European Tour in 2019. So it's a very healthy contingent of Scottish players. Obviously the best Scottish player in the world is Russell Knox, but he's predominantly based on the PGA Tour. So we don't see him as often over here in the, in the UK and, and in Europe. And uh, likewise with the likes of Martin Laird and so on. You know, there's guys over there who do well in America, but over in the European Tour, it's been a fairly you know fallow time. Uh, Scott Jameson, of course, is still there too. So there's a good group of players, there, a good you know, good ten players, eleven players um, on the European Tour this year, essentially full time, and uh, perhaps they could pick up a win this year. That'd be a real boost to golf in Scotland. I think you know the English guys have kind of set the bar, and the, that's kind of the template to try and match and I think it's going to be I don't see it happening for the Scottish guys on that level but if one or two of them could actually you know contend and win I think mean, that would be a, a tremendous thing because we're looking forward to having a looking for a, a new star to kind of emulate you know, they don't really ha- haven't really had that for a long time uh, for golfers in Scotland so that's all coming up um, on the European Tour which is resuming very soon at the Abu Dhabi Championship uh, so again all these guys are in that field, and uh, so it all starts here. So it's going to be a fascinating story ahead. We'll see who's going to come through and, and achieve great things this year. Obviously, a lot of those names you mentioned before, especially the English guys, weren't that well known before last season, or perhaps hadn't quite fulfilled their potential, or maybe had fallen off the planet entirely, like Danny Willett did. Well, over below 400th in the world, which was staggering for a player who'd only won the Masters you know, less than three years ago. Um, it was quite a fall from grace, but he is now back and uh, playing some great stuff, as is all these guys. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can build on that this year. So that's all resuming at Abu Dhabi. So the European Tour is coming back, as is, of course, the European Tour Fantasy Race to Dubai League. And we have a special, yes. yes, I know, I know you're very keen on this. We have a special Golf Shake Private League and there will be weekly prizes running throughout the season. I have the kind of the entry details here, Matt, but we've already seen a fair few people get involved. You've been pushing this quite heavily on social media. We've also pushed it on Golf Shake as well. But for those who may not know about the fantasy race to Dubai League and how it works 
Tell us why they should get involved and what the fantasy game is all about. Many people, will be, of course, will be familiar with the likes of uh, fantasy football and stuff like that. But what is this? How does the, the race to Dubai Fantasy League compare? Sell it to me. Come on. All right. <clears throat> so what you so, so firstly, what, what I'll do is I'll explain how to get involved. So you need to go into the European Tour website, or <clears throat> if you've already got a, an account, <clears throat> excuse me, go and log into your My European Tour and follow the links for the Fantasy League, Race to Dubai Fantasy League. What you then do is you register your team first. So each week when there's a tournament, which I think is pretty much every week between now and Christmas, you pick six players from the active field, and one of those six players you also select as your captain. Now, how it's run is basically it's run on prize money. So whatever the prize money the player gets that week is your team's total added up. Obviously, your six players, but your captain's pick is uh, his his money that he wins gets doubled that week. So throughout the year, you we 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 do we pick our six players and we pick our captain every single week. Um, you see the um, the agony <coughs> of people's captain missing the cut for the first three weeks. Um, which means you get absolutely zero points for that. Um, but we also see the the jubilation of people that manage to pick their captain as a winner and they're getting double winner's points. Um, what that means is it means that nobody can really run away with it. Um, you know, throughout the course of last year, I think we had 77 people in, in the league last year. Um, you know, it, there, there was probably seven people realistically that could have won the league overall coming down to the final event, which made it quite exciting. Um, you get weekly updates around uh, the winners. And what um, what Goldshake do is they, they offer a, a weekly prize pack. So whoever wins in that particular week um, receives a, a small prize. Um, I'll kind of put my neck on the line a little bit and say last year there was a, a slightly upgraded prize for the Rolex series events. And then a slightly higher upgraded prize for the four majors for the year. Um, but bottom line is somebody's winning something every single week. Um, and then at the end of the year, there's overall prizes for first, second and third place in the league. Um, there's, there's constant, there's constant banter on social media around whose teams doing well, who's picking what this week and, um, you know, people's different styles of picking, um, there was one person last year who actually forgot to change his team and what happens in that scenario is the European Tour will make automatic picks for you based on the active field um, and then actually ended up winning that week <laughs> um, a former a former colleague and friend of the show um, is, uh, is guilty for that one last really? year <laughs> yep um, look, you can set up head-to-head battles with your friends that are also in the league as well. Um, it's just good fun. It, it keeps it keeps things interesting all year. Um, inevitably, there are people that kind of get involved at the start and they don't do too well and they kind of drop off and, and don't update their team. That's See nothing but that. That's standard when you get. Yeah, that's that's standard. I don't know who would no, do that, no, Kieran. To no, be no honest, idea. but um, yeah. Look, so you, what we've got is we've got until um, next Wednesday. Um, so you, you, you shouldn't really forget to change your team because the European Tour will send you an email to say the, the the time to change your team is now open, so you get a window. And normally the deadline is kind of midnight on the Wednesday night to change your team, um, ready for the event to start on the Thursday. 
Um, so yeah, so my team's in. It's ready. I've selected well. It's a winning team to start <laughs> the year. Um, but at the moment, um, even now as we speak, I've had uh, another join request. I think the league is sitting at uh, what we got forty-five people in there at the moment. Um, it would be good to get to the seventy-seven that we had last year. It would be amazing to break through the hundred barrier. Um, I think we're still waiting for you. Yeah. Yes, I'm afraid so. Uh, and indeed, I, I was kind of guilty as charged. I did enter a team last year. I think I played for the first week, and uh, that was about it. So but there we are. There's just no excuses. Uh, well, you know, now there isn't. So that, that's another resolution for me this year. Then one to actually track my scores on golf shake, and two to actually stick with the fantasy league week in week out. And uh, as Matt said there, if you if you enjoy you know, a bit of fun, if you follow the European tour, and even if you don't, just want to kind of interact with people online and just kind of have a bit of fun, a chance to win a prize, and uh, keeps your interest there throughout the calendar year, then get involved. It's free to play. It's fun. Uh, there's a special pin code that's required to enter uh, the Golf Shake League. Uh, that will be available on the Golf Shake website. You'll also see it on the Golf Shake Twitter page in addition to Matt's own Twitter page. So if you have any questions or want to know more about it, you can follow Matt at Matt Holbrook 86 and you'll find them there. And that's where you can learn more about the league and how to get involved. And who knows? Yeah, I will enter this year. And um, so my pledge for 2019 is to stick with it at least beyond the second week. That's that's a first. That's my first objective. Um, so before we leave it for this week and... Um, so have you got any any golf plan coming up, Matt? I know that you're heading off to the Golf National fairly soon, which I think would be the highlight of uh, anyone's year in golf, uh, last year's Ryder Cup venue. So are you looking forward to crossing the channel and experiencing another Ryder Cup venue? I'm very much looking forward to this. Um, I actually finally got round to watching Perfection in Paris um which is like the kind of feature program around the Ryder Cup um I think well I think I actually watched it over the weekend um and just just seeing the course again um yeah I'm so excited to go out I mean I've I've been told to to take plenty of balls um I know there's <laughs> the the um I, I obviously I've booked it through golf breaks um and the guy that I spoke to at golf break said he had a he had a party of uh of eight golfers that went whose handicaps ranged between, I think he said 6 and 15, um, and they lost something like 64 balls between them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I, I, it's been spoken about before. I love playing the Ryder Cup courses. I love, um, you know, being able to, you know, hit the same shots on the same holes that the, you know, that, that we see the, the, you know, the best, the best in the world do. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited about that. And this year, to be honest, that's yeah. I mean, I've, you know, it's that's the only golf break per se that I've I've got um, in the diary at the moment. There may be one or two others throughout the course of the year, um, but again, this year is just going to be focused on 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 the hard work and and trying to get my handicap down a little bit more. Um, so yeah, but at the moment we've got perfect weather for it. I don't know about you up there, but. Um, down here where I'm based in sunny Suffolk, we've barely had a drop of rain since way before Christmas. Um, so courses are in really good condition at the minute for this time of year. Yeah, they, they absolutely are. Um, yeah, and like, likewise yeah. up here, it is sunny St Andrews today. It's not a bad day at all. I'm sure uh, 
I'm sure the people are out in the links right now enjoying the kind of pleasant winter conditions and it's not too cold, it's not too windy, it's kind of just about perfection, I think, for, for this time of year. So, it's, you, know, you, you know when people say, I want to go and get some fresh air? Yes. Right, That that is my definition of fresh air, is, you know, walking down the first fairway at the old course in St Andrews with, you know, a, a, a nice chilled breeze coming in off the sea. Yes. That, to me, is that is the definition of fresh air. So... Uh, maybe that's a trip I should do this year. Maybe I need to come up and and spend a couple of couple of days up there with you, and you can uh, you can show me how to miss the fairway oh, on the first. Oh dear! Uh, I mean, yeah, honestly, just, just when I thought the new year was going to get off to a good start, you had to bring that up again. How do you know? I took it. La- I took it to that you place. Had, you had to. I'm very disappointed in you. You you mentioned the previous uh, golf shit colleague, uh, Mr. Owen Davis, who that seemed to be his only line of humour, the one witty line he actually had. The, that was it about that all the time and uh, have you know the last time I played the old course I did not miss the fairway I missed I I kept it in by about two or not even not even two yards <laughs> and made a miraculous par from there a morale boosting Brilliant. par it was the best part there's no pictures on the scorecard is now, there that, well actually this time there actually was a picture of me next to the ball next to the out of bounds fence so <laughs> so this time there actually were Brilliant. pictures on on the scorecard but yeah it was a tremendous for me Brilliant. and you mentioned obviously the walking around the links there last week to end the holidays the golf courses were closed due to frost, a glorious kind of cold winter's day, sunny, just spectacular. I walked about five miles around the whole expanse of the links, all the courses, right down to the estuary and all and beyond, and it was just a, a spectacular thing. So even though there were no clubs in the hand, it was uh, it was very pleasant. And actually, the holes don't seem quite so intimidating when you don't have a golf club in your hand. But there we are. I wonder how that works. But, yeah, so, yes. Um one more thing, because I feel like I feel like the podcast is coming to its natural um, conclusion. Uh, I'm gonna, as I said earlier, I'm gonna lay down a challenge for you, um, and and I think we should have a, a little wager on it, maybe five English pounds or five Scottish pounds in in your in your case. What what I want to do is 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 a head to head England versus Scotland this year on the European Tour. You get to pick one player that you think out of the Scottish contingent on the European tour is going to finish the highest on the race to Dubai. And I'm going to pick an English player that I think could potentially finish highest on the race to Dubai this year. And at the end of the year, we'll come back together and we'll see who's been victorious in the challenge. What do you say? Okay, yeah, I'm up for that then. So who's going first? Uh, I will let you go first. Oh, thank you. Um, So one Scottish player then to finish top of that list of of the Scottish guys. Right. Let's think about this. Mm -hmm. Now, David Drysdale is in prime position. He's sitting third in the race to Dubai. But will he stay there? Will one of the other more experienced players take that mantle? Or will one of the newer, younger guys come through and take that spot from him? Uh, I'm going to say I think one of the younger guys is going to come through and have a very good season. And I think the Scottish player who's going to finish top of that list in 2019 is going to be Robert McIntyre. There you go. Okay. So my pick is going to be Sam Horsfield. Wow. Okay. So so Sam is Sam is somebody that, that played very, very well on the back end of last year. Um, He's he's one of these new contingent of 
European golfers with American accents because <laughs> he spent so much time in the States. Um, but I saw the way he played last year, um, especially towards the back end of the year. It was always there or thereabouts, it felt like. Um, and he was putting, you know, really good rounds together. And I can just see him having a really, really good 2019. So he's my pick. So that's that's who's going. They're going to go head-to-head against each other. And if if Sam Horsfield comes out on top, or who was your pick? McIntyre. Robert McIntyre, yes. Robert McIntyre. Right, Robert McIntyre versus Sam Horsfield, 2019. <laughs> Talk about niche. There were a couple of hipsters here picking these two. <laughs> Honestly, we're just showing how you know we're trying to show off as being the ultimate golf nerd. So let's pick two fairly obscure names and see how they get on. So there we are, and that was completely there we go completely unprompted or even unprepared, at least from my part there. So that was. Uh, I always get you with something. That's what I, I like to try and keep you on your toes. You do, you, know, you do, you do. You do. Uh, yeah. So there we go. We'll, we'll see how those two get on in 2019. Then. So I'm assuming, therefore, Sam Horsfield is going to be in your fantasy team for the first week of the year, isn't he? Uh, no. no. Oh, there we go. So see, <laughs> see, what is this all about? You sort of defeat the whole purpose of the game. So there we are. I start. I couldn't actually at this stage. I couldn't possibly say who's going to be in my fantasy team for this week. Oh well, well, I, I shall. I'll have a look at mine and I'll enter my team and we'll see who's in the field and uh, I'll see if I can get off to a good start in the fantasy league. And again, if you want to join that, uh, the information is there on Golf Shake. Also follow Matt on Twitter and it's fun to get involved with. There's prizes every week. It's something to keep yourself interested throughout the whole European tour season. Uh, a good bit of fun. So get involved with that. And um, so, Matt, you said there we're coming towards the natural end of the podcast. I think we've probably reached that now. Uh, it was a very enjoyable discussion, as always. So that's probably about it for this week's uh, New Year Golf Shake podcast. And as always on Golf Shake, we want you to play more and play better. Get involved with the Golf Shake score tracker. See if we can actually reach the reach Mars this year. That would be quite something. Uh, visit the course, news, travel, and tuition sections on the Golf Shake website. And, of course, if you feel inclined, as I will, enter the Golf Shake Fantasy European Tour League. It's all happening. My name is Kieran Clark, alongside Golf Shake Ambassador Matt Holbrook. Until next time, thank you for listening.